Welcome to the This Can Happen podcast with me, Zoe Sinclair, co-founder of This Can Happen. This is the show where I'm lucky to be in conversation with change makers and thought leaders within workplace mental health from all around the world, all striving to make a positive difference to support their colleagues. A recent BBC documentary stated that autistic women without intellectual disability are eight times more likely than the general population to take their life. This is just one example of how mental well-being and neurodiversity are so linked. It was such a pleasure to speak to Hannah Longman for today's podcast to hear about her own personal experience, but also how the network came about and its plans for the future. So Hannah, thank you so much for joining us today. You are our This Can Happen Grand Prix winner, um, as well as winner well, winning the Best Employee Network Award at uh, the 2023 This Can Happen Award. So how does that feel? Um, I still can't really believe it. I'm not going to lie. Um, it's amazing. And um, the conversations that I've had with my colleagues who are part of the network and who were there on the night when we won I think we're all still um still in shock and it's like it's two months later now I think just over two months later um it's been really lovely because you know we're all so passionate about what we do and we saw the the standard of the other the other category winners the other nominees as well and we never in a million years thought that we would win the Grand Prix so Thank you to you and the judging panel. Oh, no. And listen, it's all credit to you because, you know, it's a really uh, rigorous uh, judging process. Um, And there were 25 different judges. And it's not just about reading your entry and putting your hand up who should be the winner. You know, there's all sorts of lots and lots of discussion, lots of things that uh, that you the judges put you through or put the um, award entry through. So all credit to you. But hey, let's that that's the end point. Well, it's not the end because you've got so much more to do, I am sure. But let's um, let's have a, a discussion about actually how you got to be the winner, uh, a little bit about you and obviously the network uh, and what it does so the listeners can really understand. So, um, you know, tell us about your own neurodivergence to begin with. That's probably a really good starting point. Yeah, I suppose that's the beginning of the journey, really. Um, so I um, I was was diagnosed autistic when I was around about thirty. Um, so I had spent my childhood, my you know my teenage years, my university years, and the first ten years of my working life. Um, not I'd always felt a little bit different, um, but not really knowing why or sort of thinking there was anything more to it than that and then um essentially um I was watching an episode of undateables um and there was a lady on there with Asperger's they said Asperger's at the time that's not not a term that's used for diagnosis anymore um but I said to my husband you know I can understand why every other person is is featured on this program um, it tended to be, um, you know, people who were particularly tall or somebody might be in a wheelchair or, or um, stereotypically um, guys who were autistic. Um, 
but this this lady she seemed lovely and I said to my husband you know I don't understand why she's on here and she hasn't done anything that I wouldn't do um, and he basically just turned and looked at me and and raised an eyebrow um, and about six months later I, I ended up with a diagnosis myself um, that had a massive impact on my sense of identity my sense of self and it was probably about two years after that and knowing the statistics around neurodiversity so estimates are anywhere between one in five and one in seven depending which research you're looking at um and the the volume of people you know the number of people who work at, at Deutsche Bank where I work and where I worked at the time I basically said I can't be the only one it's absolutely not possible that I'm the only neurodivergent person at work um and so that really led me to try to reach out and connect I suppose with other neurodivergent people because that's not something that exists um you know when you get your diagnosis mine came through as an attachment to an email um you don't get a leaflet you don't get any signposting to any you know support any other resources um and so really I sort of said okay um I'd like to connect with some other neurodivergent people let's go out and find them so so that's just in itself hugely um well something I just didn't know so you get an email to say yep our results show that you're autistic bye is that literally what happens yes basically yeah um, so, you know, whether you're an adult, um, if if you're somebody whose child is going through that process, yeah, there's there's very little signposting or, or support provided. Um, and it is, particularly as an adult, it's it really does impact your sense of identity. It's life changing. Um, it changes your perspective of your past. It changes your perspective of your future. It changes your understanding of your own behavior and your thought processes um it's massive but yeah exactly right um you you just get your your diagnosis as a as a letter gosh that sounds totally strange to me actually i'm i'm, I'm quite i'm quite taken aback um so it's really not surprising um that you sort out other people and uh, a community um so um was it your idea to create this community at Deutsche Bank? Yeah, so um, it's not something, you know, being neurodivergent, um, particularly being autistic, because I think there are different levels of stigma around different neurodivergent conditions. And I think that's part of the reason that talking about neurodiversity as an umbrella, if you like, is, is more... I don't really want to use the word successful, but I think more people are sort of happier to engage because you're removing the the stigma that's associated with some of those conditions. And so um, I initially didn't disclose. Um, So what I what I started off by doing was with the permission of an existing employee resource group that was already in place. Um, started blogging about neurodiversity but I did it um, almost as from an outsider's perspective so talking about you know if you have neurodivergent colleagues they might do xyz so I did it without actually disclosing and um, 
we had a webinar booked in actually for October in this is 2021 so a couple of years ago and uh, I, I tried to theme my blogs around you know if there was an international awareness day coming up for example and found that aside from autism pretty much all the other conditions that sit under the neurodiversity banner have their awareness days or weeks or months in October so um, I went to this the ERG and I said um, you know given that we've got a webinar booked in already should we maybe do something in October and so our first neurodiversity celebration month was was born um, and one of the benefits of working for a large organization like a bank is the the machinery if you like is all there so as soon as as soon as I started talking to people about what was going on they would say well go and speak to branding go and speak to um, marketing go and speak to comms and essentially um, I, I was given support with building the, the campaign around that and one of the things that we did was to uh, write an article um, essentially to promote the event that went up right on the top of our intranet homepage. And the comms team said to me, do you think there's anybody who might be willing to be interviewed, you know, who's neurodivergent, who could talk about why this is important? Um, and I remember thinking, I don't feel comfortable asking anybody else to do that if I'm not comfortable doing that myself. Um, and so I had a I would say a long chat with my husband. It was actually a very short chat with my husband um, because he works at the bank as well. And, and, you know, disclosure really has a massive, massive impact. And I was very conscious that that wasn't just impact for me, but that was impact for him as well. Um, so I did say to him, you know, are you comfortable with me doing this? And, and he basically sort of said, you know, this isn't about me, it's about you. Um, and so I, I agreed to to do it. So that was actually um, was my my big bang disclosure um, right on the homepage of the internet. Um, and it I think still is one of the most read, most liked, most commented upon articles on the Deutsche Bank internet. Wow. Okay. So that's amazing. So you made your your made your debut um and you had your neurodiversity celebration month. Um and so then what happened with the the network? How how did it grow and you know what what happened next? Yeah. So we had we had really great engagement that month and I was completely blown away just by how many people did want to come and engage with us, um, come to the panel discussions that, that we were running, you know, commenting on articles that we were putting up. Um, um, what was clear was there was a, a demand for people to be talking about this. And so we we ran a, and we still do actually, a, a fortnightly lunch club. Um, and 
you don't necessarily have to be neurodivergent to come along. Most people are, but we're very open. So we say, if you've got any interest in the topic at all, you might be a line manager who's got, you know, you're, you're line managing someone neurodivergent. You might have a colleague, you might have a family member who's neurodivergent. Everybody is welcome. Um, so we we now run that on a fortnightly basis. There's no agenda. So you can come and you can talk about anything from, you know, I'm going on to a particular medication. Are these side effects normal? How do I know when the the um, dosage is right? We talked about that. We've talked about gardening and golf. We Eurovision, like we, we've talked <laughs> about all sorts. Um, and so that's been really important because that, I suppose, provides the safe space where our colleagues can come and, as I say, either ask a question or just be themselves and not feel like they have to mask or, you know, put on a front or, or pretend to be to be a particular person. And um, they can just come and completely be themselves. Um, that's been, yeah, really successful. Everything that you do, um, if I'm right, um, is 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 always global. So you have you've really been able to create a, a global network, haven't you? Completely. So we even um, I, I'm full of lots of balmy ideas, which I think is probably why we've had some of the impact that we've had. But um, one of the things we did when we uh, so, so 2021 was still, you know, partly um, restricted um, with, with um, not necessarily lockdown, but but we weren't going into the office as much as we are now. So when it came to 2022 and we had our next campaign, um, I wanted to encourage people to meet in person because we've been meeting virtually through the lunch clubs. Um, so I said, well, why don't we do? A global drop-in so we'll have drop-in sessions that you can go to regardless of which location you're in so we'll have you know one in New York and one in London and one in Singapore um, and so even even where there's that in-person element we've tried to make that global as well. Amazing absolutely amazing um, and obviously you know with my mental well-being hat on um we um I, I think as, as part of your awards application you um quoted some really interesting statistics and one of them was about a um a survey i believe from a, a, a company called attitude.com uh saying that individuals with adhd for example are more likely to have an anxiety disorder uh than uh, those that don't have ADHD I think with rates approaching nearly 50% um so um you know I suppose first of all from a, from a personal point of view um does uh the mental well-being side of things does that resonate with you yes definitely um I one of the things that that is quite easy easy for me to talk about I think because um it, it might just g- give uh, a good amount of context I think perhaps perhaps for people listening um is going into the office um so I tend to work from home more than my colleagues um and that's because there are a number of different parts of going into the office that cause me anxiety and then when you layer those up I wouldn't say it quite makes it unbearable because I can force myself to do it if I need to. 
but I do a far better day's work if I'm sat at home without all of those individual things impacting. Um, it's not even that it's impacting, you know, what's in my head and my um, my my cognitive ability to do my job. It's the physical manifestation of that anxiety. It's the being physically tense and it's the feeling like your heart's racing and, and those sorts of things. Um, so, yeah, there, there's definitely a linkage there. Um, I have found that since my diagnosis, my mental health has been a lot better. Um, and I think it's because I now cut myself a little bit more slack. I can be a bit kinder to myself and laugh when things perhaps don't go quite right. And I can I now have a better understanding of why that might be. And I can just go, well, you know, it's because my brain works in a particular way and that's totally fine it's just the way I am and so um my friends actually have noticed I'm a lot more relaxed um a lot more confident and a lot more capable of asking for what I need now that I have a diagnosis and that's uh that's great obviously uh and super super interesting and um, so would you uh, just just sort of staying with the the mental well-being side of things uh, would you say your network then um proactively you know embraces the mental health side of things obviously you entered into a workplace mental health award so i'm just interested to know um how kind of your network and for others to understand sort of um associate with the mental well-being side of things yeah of course so firstly I think just talking about neurodiversity in itself has been really helpful to some of our colleagues who perhaps might not have been able to talk about it before so we have definitely increased that psychological safety in general at work you know people have come to us and have said as a direct result of the work that you've done here I have felt comfortable disclosing to my line manager and I I've now disclosed whereas I obviously hadn't before but also the the safe space that we provide on the lunch club so the fortnightly lunch club um that again provides a space where people can come to us and if there's something that they are anxious about um they've got a space where they can come and ask so we had somebody who was a graduate who came to one of those sessions and said um i'm going for drinks for the first time after work um i just wondered what's the etiquette you know do, do i buy a drink or does my boss buy a drink and if my boss buys a drink do i buy the cheapest thing on the menu and it's these sorts of things that you don't realize are going through people's heads even even just going out for drinks after work the amount of anxiety that this particular person was having, we were able to support with that and, and, and answer those questions for her. Um, but equally on top of that, um, we have uh, an email address that comes into three or four of us within the network. And sometimes we get emails where people quite clearly need one-to-one -one support. And so one or more of us who receive those emails will will say, Do you know what, this person needs to be taken out for a coffee or, you know, let's reach out to them and, and put in a, a virtual uh, chat with them. And those conversations have been really impactful. And I don't think I'm exaggerating by saying that 
there are some people who would not be working for Deutsche Bank anymore if the one-to-one peer support that we've provided wasn't available to them. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Um, I want to um, ask you, in terms of um, advice for others that that might be listening, uh, not everyone works for an organization as large, as supportive, um, as full of resources as Deutsche Bank. Um, but nevertheless, I, I feel strongly that any organization could probably implement something like you, um, uh, but just on, on a smaller scale. Um, and I just wonder whether you could give any advice um to somebody listening who perhaps in a very similar situation as you might just have got a diagnosis or maybe had a diagnosis ages ago, but feels as though there is something that they could add to their organization in the same way that you have done. Um, what would you, what advice would you give somebody who wants to kind of start out and and get some senior leadership buy-in? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it, it, it depends on the extent to which that person wants to disclose. And I, I'm conscious, the reason I start my answer there is because I'm conscious that um, most neurodivergent people in the workplace haven't disclosed. Um, very valid my, point, Anna, very valid point, yeah. <laughs> but my, my suggestion to them, and in fact, if you have disclosed as well, um, would be start with, something like um when there's an international awareness campaign or, or or something is in the media that you can pick up on that's external and share it with your you know your colleagues or or your management and say Do you know what the, the stats on this are quite high i wonder if there's anything we could perhaps do um so that our neurodivergent colleagues feel uh, you know more comfortable to support them at work um and as I say, I started out by blogging about it. I didn't disclose at all. And the most important thing was that we started talking about it because then other people were coming forwards and saying, you know, actually, this is relevant for me as well. And then it really built that momentum. And then it was once we had the momentum, we were able to say, well, do you know what? There's a group of people here. And if we can bring them together, then that might provide a, a real benefit in terms of that psychological safety. So starting anywhere is better than not starting at all I would say yeah no absolutely so in terms of uh, of your network um you know how do you keep the momentum going how do you keep it on people's radar um how do people just starting at the organization know about um the network and uh um it just 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 what's next and how do you keep it uppermost in people's minds yeah so so we have a presence um on the the internet at work we have a mailing list um of of people that we go out to what tends to happen is each time we send out a mailing list people will forward it on to some of their colleagues and then those people will contact us and say can i please go onto the mailing list which is which is helpful um we try to do a number of events throughout the year. So our, our big event is that we have a celebration campaign um, each sort of September, October time. But we do other events throughout the year. So um, we will do um, awareness events when it's autism awareness in April. Um, but we might do things like a drop in in the summer for people to get together and 
have tea and biscuits together and and again just remember that that network is there and that they they can connect um connect with their colleagues um I do try and do as I said I have a few balmy ideas um and I think that helps in terms of um <laughs> giving people things to to talk about so um one of the events I'm I'm quite excited about but equally I'm doubting myself and I'm going I really hope this works out well um is I have an autistic comedian coming in for our celebration month this year um which I'm sure is going to be amazing but is a little bit of a risk um but it's those sorts of things where um you know I haven't heard of any bring anybody bringing in a comedian um at all I think since I've been at the bank so it is it is I think a risk but hopefully one that's going to pay off I'm sure absolutely I'm sure and sort of with you behind the helm and as you call it your balmy ideas which really aren't so balmy they're just more brilliant than balmy I'd say um I'm sure it will be a great success and um, Hannah thank you so much for sharing your own personal journey and and really giving us an insight into you know how your network which is really still very young um, and in comparison to others who perhaps are only just beginning the conversation or haven't even started the conversation about neurodiversity yet um, you really are a trailblazer in terms of you know when you started it so thank you very very much for um, well entering the awards and allowing us to know so much about the great work that you're doing and and the you know the whole point of the awards is for people to learn from you. And with this added podcast, I really hope that people take on board the value of everything that you've done. Um, and you're a real tra- trailblazer. And we thank you very, very much for sharing and, and joining me today. Thank you very much for having me and um, and letting me share what we've been doing because it's really important that we continue the conversation about neurodiversity. So thank you. This Can Happen, empowering workplace mental health. Founded in 2018, we support organisations and empower their employees with the right solutions to create a positive environment for good mental health in the workplace. We offer various resources, including a global leading conference, free webinars, awards, a 12-month friends programme, an exclusive retreat for mental health leads, and the This Can Happen Index, the only measurement tool that includes both the employer and the employee. Find out more by visiting our website, thiscanhappenglobal.com.